This is the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast, here to help you navigate and thrive with ADHD in adulthood. I'm your host, Zena, and I was diagnosed at age 36. As with many ADHDers, I have a rebellious and non-conformist style. And that means that there will likely be swearing in the coming episode. Please be mindful of any little people. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast, where I'm super happy to be here with you all. (laughs) Believe it or not, in true ADHD fashion, (laughs) this is a very last minute record. I usually record these the week before they are released and often I like I will do some research or I will have like multiple episodes kind of that I'm working on at the same time. However, <laughs> the episode I was going to record for you all last week, I've had a change of plan because I have found a guest expert who I have decided to interview. It's in regards to female hormones and Then I decided because of the amount of questions coming in that this episode needed to happen. However, due to a bunch of shit that went down, I just didn't get to doing it last week. It is literally being released in a matter of two hours. (laughs) So I'm doing it last minute and I love it. True ADHD fashion, last minute. And the funny thing is I used to make it such a problem when I would do things, you know, just before they were due, like I would procrastinate, procrastinate, and then do them like right up and, you know, up into the wire kind of a thing before like a project had to be put in at school or something like that. But now I just know that having that deadline really works for me. Like if I didn't have to release this at 12 o'clock today, then I could easily just put it off or do something else. You know, that is what I've been living with my whole life. But now that I know I work super well with a deadline, I use it. I always get it done on time. It just doesn't have to be a problem. So in my brain, I've just stopped making it one. So there we go. Anyway, one of the questions I get asked all the time is how do I get motivated? How do I get more motivation? That is what we're talking about today. Before we dive in, though, I wanted to let you know, if you head over to my website, xenajones.com, now remember, Xena is spelled with an X, X X-E-N-A-J-O-N-E-S.com, you can get a free PDF guide that I have created for you guys. It is the 12 things that I wished my doctor had told me about ADHD, 12 things that I think we all need to know when we're diagnosed with ADHD. So if you head over to my website, you will see in the top right corner, a little tab that says start here. If you click on that, you just need to pop your name and email in and you will get that guide sent directly to your inbox right now. I highly recommend that you go and do that. So often I hear things like, I wanna wake up motivated. I wanna you know, get out of bed early. I wanna have a good morning routine. I wanna work out. I want to start the day on a high. I discovered long before I even knew that I had ADHD that if I was going to wait to feel motivated, nothing was ever going to change in my life. So in this episode today, we are going to talk about our brain wiring as it relates to motivation. I'm going to break it into super simple, easy to understand and apply language. I'm not going to get into all of the neuroscience too deep today. 
I'm going to talk a little bit about that and why we often don't feel motivated. Okay. And I'm going to share with you the five things that I do when motivation is nowhere to be seen. I also recommend that you listen to episode number 17, which is called How to Procrastinate Less with ADHD. In that episode, I talk about the NICU format where there is research and science behind how those of us with ADHD will often, uh, we can increase our motivation, let's say, by making something novel, interesting, challenging, or urgent. And I'm a beautiful demonstration of the urgent today because I have two hours and 10 minutes until this episode needs to be out there for you all. So definitely recommend episode 17. That is a great pair to go with this. However, today we're going to talk about how motivation is bullshit. (laughs) You guys know I love to swear. So back in about 2013, I was running a travel agency. I had started working there and then I got a promotion to manage the store and I had a team of roughly five or six people who I was responsible for and we were turning over millions of dollars a year. We were booking holidays for people and you know all sorts of different vacations and weddings and uh, honeymoons, family trips, solo trips, massive group tours, all sorts of things. And I was in charge of that. I also had my own clients that I was looking after, my own bookings. And if you don't know this about the travel industry, (laughs) you probably already know it from your own travel experience. Shit happens all the time, meaning that flights are canceled or delayed. And of course, that will have a knock on effect with a following flight. So if you have two flights to get to your destination and the first one is late, you might miss the next one. So in that agency, like things were always changing and customers would get angry when flights were delayed or airlines would make changes and shit would hit the fan you know we're forever having to basically put out fires all the time and when I had that job I worked there for four years I was anxious all the time all the time I was just fueled by anxiety and I was eating crap Basically what my work day looked like is I would race into work. I always intended to get there early because I always had so much to do, but generally I didn't. And then, you know, the doors would open and it was just go, 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 full on day. And then I would end up having to stay late to try and catch up on shit, but I wasn't that productive because by then I was exhausted and we had a supermarket right next door. I would go into the supermarket and I would buy like, I remember multiple times I would buy cold slaw, like cold slaw the salad. And Cheerio sausages, like the little red kids party sausages. And I would literally put them in the microwave when I got home. And buns, like just like a couple of fresh bakery buns. And I would eat that for dinner. Two little Cheerio sausages, coleslaw and a couple of buns. I would eat that for dinner and I would microwave the sausages. I wouldn't even boil them in water because I just didn't give a shit. I would eat that I was not exercising and, you know, I'd go home. I was always drinking wine. It was bubbly wine, just something cheap and nasty. I would drink that and then I'd eat anything sweet in the house and I would just watch Netflix 24-7. Like I would even take it into the bathroom when I would have a shower and keep it playing. Like that was like I was fueled by anxiety doing all of that to kind of minimize the pain of the life that I was living really 
And I kept setting my alarm. I remember doing this so many times. I would set my alarm thinking, yeah, yeah, tomorrow's going to change. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go for a run. And I'd get my gear out. I'd put my clothes out, my shoes out. And, and I'm going to set my alarm early. I'm going to get up and go for a run. And the alarm would go off. And I'd be like, oh, I just don't feel like it. I'm too tired. I don't want to. And I kept doing that and kept saying the same things over and over again. I kept waiting to feel like getting up early. And ultimately, I was miserable. I hated my body. I was putting on weight. I felt sluggish. I felt like crap. And nothing was ever enough. I remember one year I traveled five times that year. I was making at that stage, it was at that point in my life, it was the most money I'd ever made. I was making great money because a lot of it was commission based. So I was making great money, but nothing was ever enough. It was no amount of money was enough, um, no amount of travel. I traveled five times one year and a lot of it was paid for with work and I got free trips and upgrades and luxurious travel and all sorts of things, but nothing was ever enough. Isn't that wild? All of those beautiful, amazing experience. It was, it was still never enough. So in 2014, I quit my job and I brought a one-way ticket to London. I had a friend from the travel industry who I had gotten really close to and she had left and moved to London and was working in corporate travel in London. And she was so happy, so, so, so happy. And it was wild to me how content and happy she was. She was making great money, loved her flat in London, was doing all of these cool things, had really cheap travel all throughout Europe and was just loving life. And that's what I wanted. I wanted happiness. I wanted to love life. I wanted that. So I quit my job, bought a one-way ticket, very impulsive. Hello, ADHD impulsivity. <laughs> Flew all the way to London. And I fucking hated it. I arrived in August and I had basically missed their summer. Not that they had much of a summer that year, but I missed it. And it wasn't long until it was cold and dark and rainy and wet all of the time. I didn't like my job. People were not friendly and helpful. And I ate and drank to manage it, basically. I ate all sorts of different foods that I couldn't get back at home. I was just using the excuse that I was trying all of these things and I was eating convenient food and going to pubs all of the time. And then I started drinking a lot, a lot of cider, a lot of cheap whatever I could get my hands on. And I was really trying to numb the pain of the life because I was miserable all of the time. And I regretted leaving. I regretted moving. I had a falling out with that one friend and to make it worse, we were sharing a room to keep costs down living in London. I had to move out. It was awful. It was really rough. And eventually I switched teams. I got a new job and I still wasn't loving it. And I moved in. Another friend of mine moved to London and so grateful for that because we got a flat together and things didn't really improve for a little while. Like we, we wanted to get healthy and fit together. She'd put on a lot of weight as had I, we both felt pretty crap. Neither of us loved our jobs, but we kept saying, you know, like we, we actually got a gym membership together. We, we went and got one together. It wasn't too far from our house. It was a couple of tube stops from our house. And we went in there and we paid for our membership. And we we're like, yeah, yeah, cool. We're going to start tomorrow. We never started. We never, ever set foot in that damn gym. 
<laughs> I don't know how long we paid for a membership for, but we never went in there. And we kept saying, okay, we're going to get up and we're going to go for a walk or we're going to go for a run. And a couple of times we did, but most of the time we didn't. We're like, oh, we're going to eat healthy. We're going to eat healthy. And we, you know, then we'd like buy chocolate or, you know, we'd just walk down the, to the corner store, which was on every corner, basically. So, you know, it just... It kept going in circles like this, waiting for motivation to strike, waiting to feel like it, waiting to, you know, actually go to the gym after work. I kept saying, hey, I'll meet you at the gym after work. And then she'd cancel or I'd cancel and we just wouldn't go. You know, it it was always tomorrow. I was saying, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start the diet tomorrow. I'll start eating healthy and taking care of myself tomorrow. I'll start the gym tomorrow. And I never did. Like I never did because tomorrow always sounded like a better idea, but tomorrow never came. The motivation was never there. And yet I didn't want to be at the weight I was. I didn't want to be as unhappy as I was, unfit, unhealthy, all the things. But I kept waiting for this motivation, waiting to feel like it. And I never did. And it's so interesting, if we were to think back, some of the most rewarding things that we have done in our lives and some of the biggest accomplishments that we've had were from doing things that we didn't feel like doing. I have a client right now who is in the process of getting a degree, maybe a master's, I'm not sure. And we're always coaching on how she just doesn't feel like studying and how she doesn't want to. And having already been through this process, she knows just how rewarding it is to have the degree, to get certified, to be in that position. And I can relate to that. I remember when I went to coach training, the coach training itself was incredible. The six days in person with, you know, other people certifying to become coaches. But then the the following three to six months after that, when you're going through the process of getting certified and it's hard and it's uncomfortable and you're having to leave your comfort zone and do things you've never done before. And there's so much uncertainty, like, am I doing this right I didn't want to do it. I sure as shit wasn't always motivated to do it. And I was in a totally different time zone. Sometimes I was having to get up at 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning in order to make the calls, in order to coach the people before I went to my 9 to 5 job, which I had to have to pay for my life because I I wasn't yet making any money from my business and from coaching at that stage. And I wasn't always motivated to do it. I sure as shit didn't want to get up when the alarm went off at 3.30 in the morning and yet I still did it. Back to my point, some of the most rewarding things we've done in our lives, some of our biggest accomplishments were from doing things that we didn't feel like or want to do at the time. So, you know, running my own business is a great example of that. Even recording this podcast, I'll be honest, sometimes I don't want to record a podcast. I don't want to sit down and draft the notes or record the episode with you all, but I'm always glad afterwards. And then when I get the feedback from you all and I hear from you guys, I'm like, fuck, I'm so glad, you know, I was willing to just do it anyway when I didn't feel like it and I didn't want to, right? Running a half marathon. That's another example of mine, completing a triathlon. Even the training for that sucked. I never wanted to do it, but I did it anyway. (laughs) Another one on my list of, you know, 
accomplishments is learning how to speak in public and then speaking at sold out events. I was the shy kid growing up and I was terrified of speaking, being called on in class and, you know, having to read a paragraph from a book in front of my peers. I know so much of this is now related to ADHD. However, like learning to speak in public, learning to face my fears and, you know, speak out loud in front of other people and then eventually share my story on stage and teach and coach in front of groups. That shit was fucking terrifying. Did I want to do it? No. (laughs) Would I rather have avoided it? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But it is some of the most uh, rewarding, satisfying, I guess some of the stuff that I'm most proud of in my life is, you know, being able to overcome those fears and then have those accomplishments Because I did things when I wasn't motivated. Okay. So we're doing things all the time that we don't feel like doing. And I think that's worth seeing and acknowledging. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like going to work. Sometimes I don't feel like, um, an example I thought of the other day was like changing the cat's litter box. We have two beautiful cats who thankfully go toilet outside now but when they were kittens we kept them inside for about a month maybe a little longer because we live right next to a busy road and we had to change or mostly me had to change their dirt box every day there were two of them we had a couple of dirt boxes I think one upstairs one downstairs and man could they stink those out (laughs) now you know I didn't want to do that I didn't want to have to change you know, cat dirt boxes, just like changing baby's diapers, especially in the middle of the night. You probably don't really want to have to do it, and yet you do it anyway. We are doing things all the time that we don't want to do because there is a part of us somewhere deep down inside that does want to do it. There is a form of intrinsic motivation linked to it. I remember getting up so many mornings and not wanting to go to work and yet I wanted to be there to support my team. I wanted to be there to support my clients. I wanted to be there to, you know, get money, to pay my bills, to be able to afford to live my life. You know, when the cat goes in the dirt box, I want to get rid of the stink. I also want the cats to be doing that inside because I don't want them outside just yet. Like I want to take care of them and protect them. If you keep waiting for motivation, nothing is going to change. Motivation is bullshit. It is lovely and wonderful when it comes. Motivation comes when you see the reward. When you see it's working, when you are starting to reap the benefits, that is when the dopamine shows up. I'll tell you what, when I was living in London, I quit sugar um, for health reasons, also to lose weight. But I wasn't expecting like ridiculous amount of benefits that came with it. But I tell you what, every single day I did not want to not have sugar. I wanted the damn sugar. But the longer I went without having sugar, so I'm talking no cakes, no lollies, nothing at all, even tomato sauce, nothing at all that had sugar as an ingredient. When I did that, the longer I went without it, the more I started to see it's working. 
the more motivated I became. And it's working showed up in the form of I lost weight. It's working showed up in the form of I slept better than I'd ever slept before. I felt better than I ever felt before. I had more energy than I'd ever had before. It was wild. So in the short term, it was really hard and there wasn't motivation. I just kept doing it. I'm going to tell you the five things I focused on and how I did that. But I kept doing it. And the longer I did it, the more the motivation came. Okay. As I said, motivation comes when you see it's working, when you're reaping the benefits. That is when the dopamine shows up. So let's talk about the five things that I do when motivation is nowhere to be seen. Number one is dread do it. I dread do stuff all the time. Meaning that when the alarm went off this morning and it was time to get up and put my shoes on and get out the door and go for a walk, I didn't want to. Actually, when the alarm went off, I wanted to hit snooze. I wanted to go back to sleep. I just wanted to say I'll do it later. And I was dreading getting up and doing it. And I did. I dreaded it and I did it. This is something I use quite often is I plan to not want to do things. So I've used this tool in my life for a long period of time. When I have a meeting, so say, for example, I'm giving a talk next Tuesday, I believe, and I'm dreading it. I know it's going to be amazing. I know I'm going to do a great job. I know the people are going to love the talk, but I'm dreading it because to me, it's uncomfortable. It's hard. It requires a lot of my energy, all of these things. So I'm, I'm dreading it. I plan to dread it right up until the point where I'm there and I'm doing it. I'm going to dread it and I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not going to plan or expect to feel wonderful or excited or, you know, all of these positive things about it. No, I'm planning to dread it and do it anyway. And if I get excited, if I get motivated, if I start to, you know, feel wonderful about it, well, that's a fucking bonus. But I'm planning to dread it and do it anyway. And it takes a lot of pressure off. I just know that that's how it's going to go. And that's not a problem. I use this all the time. Number two is focus on why I want to do it, especially when I don't want to do it. When we can give meaning to something, we add that intrinsic motivation, that internal drive and desire that increases our likelihood of actually doing it. I do this a lot when I do um, a journal quite a lot. So say, for example, um, with this podcast and I had a bit of kind of confusion around what I was going to record and then the one I had, as I said to you, it didn't work out. And I just thought, you know what, I could actually skip this week and, you know, I could just have a week off and then get back on it or I could record it late or what have you. I didn't really want to do it, even though I did. Right. So I actually sat down and I journaled on it for just five minutes and I was like, what does it mean to me to record this podcast? Like, why do I actually want to do this? And I wrote down a bunch of stuff. Because I know it'll help at least one person, because I love hearing from you guys, because 
This is the information that I wish I had heard sooner. This is the stuff I wish I had learned when, you know, I was first starting out on my ADHD journey. Like this is the shit that I think is so important that I share with the world. Like I wrote wrote down a whole bunch of stuff and I gave meaning to the thing that I didn't really want to do. When we can give a meaning to something, we can help increase the why we actually do want to do it instead of why we don't. Because our brain is often very focused on, I don't want to, I don't feel like it, I can't be bothered, I'll do it later, all of that shit. When we can give meaning to why we do want to, we can often turn that around, okay? Because our brain is very well versed at replaying all of the why we don't want to, why we can't, why we'll do it later, all of that. Like we're really good at replaying that shit. We've got it on repeat. (laughs) But when we can pause and give meaning to why we do want to, why do I want to get up this morning? Like the alarm's just gone off. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. I'm dreading it. Like why why do I want to get up? Like what's the meaning of getting up for me? Like what does it mean to me to get up? It means actually I'm honoring the commitment to myself. It means I'm having my own back. It means I'm doing what I said I would. It means, you know what, I'm actually going to start the day better. It means I'm going to feel better if I just even go for a five minute walk. If I get some fresh air and some sunshine, you know what, I know that's good for me. I know that's incredibly good for ADHD. It means I'm really setting myself up for success. It means it's going to be easier over time. It means it might even be a little easier tomorrow if I do it now. Like all of these things, okay? So that was two. Number three is the five men win. Don't eat the frog. Fuck the frog. (laughs) Eat that frog works well for neurotypical people. It does not work that well for neurodivergent people. I knew this long before I knew uh, I had ADHD, that eat the frog was bullshit and didn't work for me. So, although, don't get me wrong, I tried doing it. I tried forcing myself for a long time. And if you don't know what I mean when I say eat that frog, eat that frog means do the hardest thing first. So if you've got a to-do list, for me, for example, I write a post-it note with three to five things each day that I'm going to do. And the hardest thing on there is the thing I'm probably going to do last. The one I'm avoiding, the one I really don't want to do, I'm not going to do that first. To eat that frog would be to do the thing that you're avoiding or you least want to do first. No, that requires way too much dopamine from us and it can really deplete our dopamine reserves if we're going to do that. I highly recommend you go for the five men win, meaning you do the smallest, easiest task first or you do the task that is going to give you the biggest um, reward in return, the biggest amount of dopamine. Whatever's going to feel like a win for you, you do that one first. Um, Another way that I use the five men win is I encourage clients. So say, for example, clients who are wanting to create a daily exercise habit, I say five minutes a day. That's it. And that's a win. And don't try and trick your brain into doing longer. Often you will do longer, but that's not the point. The point is like, what is something that you want to be doing? Is it that you want to work on a creative project? Is it that you want to work on your business? Is it that you want to start an exercise habit or stretch? five minutes, set a timer and do it for five minutes. That is a win. And when you get to five minutes, you celebrate. I did it. And it's really important that we celebrate. And I'm actually going to talk about that because it's number five on this list, because we want to reinforce the positivity, the good feeling, the fact that we did it 
and that we have made progress. Five minutes adds up and five minutes quickly and easily becomes much more once we start to form that habit. Okay. So number three is the five men win and don't eat that frog. Okay. Number four is how can I make it easy? I ask myself that question all the damn time. How can I make this easy? We have a tendency as ADHDs, especially women with ADHD, to really focus on perfection. I'll give you an example of this. The download I referred to before, I told you all at the beginning, visit my website, click on the start here tab and go and get that free guide, 12 things I wish my doctor had told me about ADHD. I was going to do that in video form. I had been wanting to create it for you all for a while and I was like, I'm going to do it in video form and this is what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it and what am I going to wear and blah, 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 blah. And it was taking me fucking forever. And I asked myself this question, how can I make this easy? And easy for me was just to create a two page PDF guide, super simple. But when I was so tied to what perfection in my mind looked like, I wasn't making progress and I sure as shit wasn't really motivated to get started on it. Another way I do this is with how can I make it easy is with exercise. When I want to go for a run, I will say to myself, how can I make it simple and easy? And often in my brain, like a perfection run, which is often what I'm aiming for is like four to five Ks that I go for a run. Make it easy is lowering the bar. It's like one kilometer. That's it. One kilometer is that five minute when I get to celebrate. I've done it. Stoked. When I lower the bar for entry, I am much more likely to start to make, um, you know, make progress towards something and to even complete something. When I'm tied to you know, it needing to look or be a certain way. Like I see this with people all the time with clients and they come to me, they're like, I need to exercise every single day. I should be exercising every day, 30 minutes a day. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, hang on a minute. Like no wonder you're not doing it. It doesn't sound simple and easy. And it doesn't sound like something that you're motivated to do, first of all, and you feel like you should be. So let's use some of these things. Let's plan on not wanting to do it, dread do it. Let's focus on why you want to do it. Give it meaning. Go for five minutes. It's a five minute win and make it easy. Lower the bar. How can you, and when it comes to things like exercise, how can you make it even easier? I sometimes meet friends for a walk. And another way that I make it easier for myself is I got a, it's like a Fitbit, but it's not the one that connects to your iPhone or what have you and gives you all the bells and whistles. I wanted it super basic so that it didn't distract me with notifications. So anyway, I've got like this step counter thing on my wrist and it makes it easier for me to do my steps. I have a goal. I do 10,000 steps every single day, even in the rain. If you hang out with me on Instagram, you will see me walking in the rain. Sometimes I share it. Um, but what I'm saying is like I made it easier by getting this Fitbit. It's quite fun, this this device thing. I made it easier by having that and tracking it. And also sometimes with accountability, meeting a friend for a walk. Sometimes my partner will come for a walk with me. Make it easy. Lower the bar. Make it simple. And asking yourself that question, how can I make it easy? Or you could ask the question, how can I lower the bar for entry? How could I make it simple? 
Okay, try and eliminate the perfectionist fantasy, the ideal version of what you think this should look like. Okay, because you're not motivated to do that shit right now. But over time, we can build up to that ideal by getting more wins. Okay, and number five is celebrate every small win. This is hugely important that we pause and actually feel the positive emotion, feel the effect of, you know, doing what we said we were going to do, of doing it when we didn't feel like it, of leaving our comfort zone, of, you know, actually going for a walk when we haven't walked for two weeks, actually, you know, getting out and putting our shoes on and getting out for a five minute walk in the rain, you know celebrate every win. I don't care how small. Tell yourself, hey, I'm really proud of you for doing that. I know you didn't want to, and I'm so proud of you for doing it, right? We really want to reinforce that because the more we do that, and here's what I know for sure, right? The more we do shit when we don't feel like doing it, the easier it becomes to do it and the more you want to do it. And that is made so much easier when you reinforce with positive reinforcement. Okay, none of us like criticism. None of us like negative self-talk. So you've got to, you know, boss your brain around a little bit here and tell yourself, hey, I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that. I'm proud of you for getting up out of bed when you sure as shit didn't want to. I am proud of you for putting on your walking shoes and getting out the door and doing this five minute walk. I'm proud of you for getting some sunshine. Like stoked that you did this. Like this is a massive win. I just want to acknowledge that. Okay. Every win counts. Okay. All right. Now I want to talk briefly about our brains. Our primitive brain. Okay. This is a significant portion of our brain. It is wired to stay comfortable. Okay. Part of our brain is wired to avoid doing hard things. It is wired to stay the same and to remain in our comfort zone. Okay. Now, this is because this primitive part of our brain is its number one job is to keep us alive and to survive. That's its number one job. So, Anytime it wakes up in the morning and it sees oh, getting out of bed and going for a walk sounds so hard, but staying in bed comfortable and warm, that is easy. That is what I want to do. That is what I'm good at doing. I want to stay the same. I want to do that. I want to remain in my comfort zone. I don't want to leave it because that's dangerous. That's scary. That's hard. That requires too much energy and effort. Your brain is literally wired to not want to be motivated to do shit <laughs> on, on most occasions, basically. Okay. So what that also means is like your brain is wired to say the same shit to you. It's, your brain is literally wired to repeat things like, I don't want to, I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start on Monday. It's going to replay those same thoughts, the same anxiety. You're going to wake up with it most mornings. If you're a person who wakes up with anxiety, right? You're going to beat yourself up with the same shit, okay? Until you start to make changes. ADHD or not, all brains do this. All brains are wired to stay in their comfort zones, to avoid doing hard things, to stay the same, same. Like all brains are wired that way. But that's just one part of our brain, 
And here's the best news. Like we are in charge. We have the final say. You get to say to your brain, oh, I see what you're doing. You want to stay in bed. I get it. You know, getting up is hard. It's uncomfortable. You know, going to speak at that event that's outside of my comfort zone. Of course, I'm not going to want to do it. My brain wants to stay comfortable, warm and dry and safe in this bed. But I have final say. And I know that the more I override that primitive brain telling me all of that BS, the easier it becomes and the more motivation I create in the long run because I start to see it's working. I start to get wins. I start to increase my levels of dopamine. Doing these five things is exactly how I turned my life around when I was living in London. So in 2014, 2015, it might have been. Uh, yeah, 2015. That is what I was focused on. I was focused on, you know, not waiting to feel like it, not waiting for motivation to strike, but instead just expecting not to want to do it and doing it anyway, lowering the bar for myself, asking myself these questions. And gradually over time, I lost weight, I formed really healthy eating habits, a better relationship with food, I started to be way more active, I started doing walking and running and I started to meet more people, I'd really struggled with meeting people and making friends in London, I started to do that, I started connecting with people, going to more events, I actually started doing yoga, which was the first time in my life, it was like wild, I don't know how that happened, but I started to do it and then the more I went, the more I started to enjoy it, I met more people, I started doing more things on weekends, I started to love my life. I started to speak kindly to myself. I started to, for the first time in my life, feel happy by ultimately utilizing the five things that I have shared with you here today. I totally turned my life around because if I had kept waiting for motivation, I would still be miserable, uncomfortable, hating my body, really unhappy with my life because motivation wasn't coming. Okay. So again, I'm going to go back through those five things to, that I do. And I recommend that you do when you're not seeing that motivation anywhere. Okay. Number one is dread do it. Number two is focus on why you want to, especially when you don't want to and give it meaning. Number three is go for the five minute win. Don't eat the frog. Go for the five minute win. Number four, ask yourself the question is, how can I make this easy? How can I make it simple? Right? We're trying to eliminate the perfectionist fantasy ideal of what this should look like. Number five is celebrate every small win. Celebrate the shit out of yourself. Feel the positive effect of doing something hard, uncomfortable, outside of your comfort zone, of doing something when you didn't feel like doing it. Acknowledge that. Celebrate yourself for that. Okay? Use these five things that I do, my clients do, and you will begin to accomplish more in your life. Right? And doing and in doing so, as I've said, you will increase your levels of motivation to not only keep going, but to you know, set bigger goals, to go for more, to further leave your comfort zone, to build a bigger life. Okay. And don't forget, my friends, head over to the website, xenajones.com and grab that new PDF, PDF guide that I've created for you. 12 things that I wished my doctor had told me about ADHD. Okay. Remember, motivation is BS. Do these five things instead. Huge love to you all. Take care, my friends. 
Hey friend, I know exactly what it's like to feel frustrated and confused with your ADHD and to wish that you could better understand what the hell is going on in your brain. And that's exactly why I created my coaching program, Thriving with ADHD. Inside Thriving with ADHD, you learn a step-by-step process to set and finally achieve your goals, to understand yourself and your ADHD. It's where you learn to feel better and manage your emotions and create systems and processes that work for you with your ADHD brain. This is designed for you to learn how to thrive with ADHD so you can create the life that you were meant to live. Visit xenajones.com ADHD to learn more and book a consultation.